0: know that? Like, do you look forward to this? What is a sweet thing that we get to worship together. There's actually something really powerful about the gathering of his church because uh, what, I, what I love is like, you're singing, I, I hear you guys singing next to us and like, you're singing that's my God. It's, it's kind of a reminder, like, God's done a work in their life to help them understand that there's no God like our God. What a sweet thing that we get to do to come and just sing and worship and remind each other how great and glorious he is. Are you glad you came to worship the Lord this morning? And I'm so glad you're here. Let's continue to worship. Let me ask God to just bless the preaching of his word as we uh, kind of move away from this moment. And uh, we we, we still want to be in his presence. So let's ask him to do that. Father, would you meet with us? What What an awesome thing that we can gather together as your church. There is something powerful about this. That you are moving when we are pursuing you, Lord God. God, we know that you're always here. We know that you are omnipresent, yet there's something special that when we are gathered in your name, you are here with us. And God, we're continuing to pursue your presence. Lord, I'm just asking that that would be uh, the desire of our hearts. God, maybe you need to uh, reorient our hearts and our minds, remind us of what is true. Maybe we haven't thought about that this much lately. Lord, would you, bring us back to what is true would you let us hear a word from you this morning the messenger is nothing the message is everything and we want to be with you and sense your delight with us we give you praise in jesus name amen well you may be seated and would you do me a favor and grab your bible grab your bible and go with me to the book of jonah Go with me to the book of Jonah. We're actually gonna be in chapter two this morning of Jonah. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice some of our uh, ushers are coming by. They would love to give you uh, a Bible. And uh, we just want you to have a copy of God's word in front of you. Uh, We're gonna be in Jonah chapter two, but uh, technically we have to pick up in chapter one, uh, starting in verse 17. That's the end of the chapter. And, And just to recap uh, Jonah's on the run, okay, and, and I need to uh, issue an apology, uh, my, my wife, uh, she's so awesome, uh, Carissa and the kids, they're up in Massachusetts, I'm missing them a lot, she's so kind, she's like, you better apologize to all the runners that you offended last week, so please forgive me, um, I, I made it abundantly clear that I hate running, and uh, really, I'm impressed with what you do, I wish I could do what you do. Uh, but I'll stick to the elliptical. You all can run your marathons and stuff. Okay, are we cool? Are we okay? Um, love you. Here we are, Jonah uh, chapter one. Jonah is running, but he's, he's really running from God, right? But he's learning... <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, that. You don't really stand much of a chance if God is chasing you and, and, and God is coming for him and he demonstrates that through the storm that he's bringing and uh, the, they, they cast lots trying to figure out like whose fault is this and lo and behold, the, the lot falls on Jonah, right? And, and so they pick Jonah up and they throw him into the sea and that's where we left him last week. If this was a, a, a TV series, then that, that's the episode that like ends and you think he's dead? like, oh, he's, he's gone. But you know he's not, right? He's, it's, you can't kill off the protagonist. That doesn't happen. So we're just waiting to figure out how in the world he's still alive. So here we are, chapter 1, verse 17. You there? Follow along with me as I read. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. We've been waiting for that moment for a while, right? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, Yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. And the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Well, those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land and all God's people said, gross. Um, Can we just, let's just deal with the fish, right? So this is the moment we've all been waiting for in the story. We knew the fish was coming, uh, but I just, uh, I want to take a minute and just talk about this because for some of you, the fish may be a hang up. There are a lot of people that like, Kind of struggle, like at some point I'll have conversations with them, and and, and you know they they may feel like God's pressing in, and, and they're really struggling with what to do with this whole Jesus thing, but they're not really sure because I don't know that I can believe everything that's in the Bible. You know, I I kind of got my doubts about it, and one of the first things that they throw out is this. Story right here, like really, really, a guy got swallowed by a fish and he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights and he survived it. Like, come on now. And and, and here's the deal. I, I I understand. I just I, I want to tell you, if that's you, if you kind of struggle with some of those doubts, it's okay. I'm so glad you're here. I, I you need to wrestle with. It. Don't don't let that just become like a cop out. Like oh, I don't want to deal with Jesus because you know like a guy got swallowed by a fish. Like that's not. Push into that. Okay. It's okay. I want to tell you this the Bible can bear that weight. And this book has stood the test, and it will stand the test of its toughest critics. And some of the greatest minds the world has ever known have found their questions satisfied by the truths of Scripture. It's okay. It's okay. But I want to let you know a couple things about this fish. One, it's true, it's real, it really happened. I know it's miraculous, I know it's fantastic, but I believe this really happened. And, and I, could, I could try to convince you with maybe like some scientific evidence to prove that it's kind of possible that this could happen, but I'm not going to do that. I want to tell you, the reason that I believe that this is true is because I believe Jesus. You're like, okay, that's like the Sunday school answer, right? Like in, in, in Sunday school, it's, it's always, the answer is always Jesus, God, or the Bible. Thanks for that. That's not very intelligent. Hang with me for a minute. I just want you to follow my logic. Think about this for just a minute. My life has been transformed by the person of Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't, if you think about it. This is a man who walked around in the Middle East over 2,000 years ago, so why in the world would my life be so impacted, my life be so transformed? I live my, I get, I, dude, my, my living is by the things that this man said. Why is that? Well, it's because this man, Jesus, made some outrageous claims. Do you know that? One, this man walked around claiming that he was God. You're either crazy, and (laughs) that's not true. That's kind of a wild claim to say that you are God. He claimed to be the son of God. And then he claimed that he was the only way that we could be saved from our sins. Well, now you got my attention, because that sounds like a pretty serious deal. And then he also claimed, he made a prediction. In fact, he made it three times before it happened. He said, I'm going to be killed and then I'm gonna come back to life three days later. That's an outrageous claim. Here's the crazy thing, he did it. He did it. And there, there, there's so much evidence, even scientific evidence, that would lead me to believe. It makes it reasonable to prove that the resurrection happened. And I just got to tell you, if I can believe in the resurrection, that, that, that doesn't happen, that people come back to life. Have you ever noticed that? That's not normal. So if I can believe in the resurrection, I have no problem believing in the fish. But even greater than that, if Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do, then I have to take everything that he said seriously. He said he's God, and God doesn't lie. So if Jesus really did come back from the dead, then I have to take his words seriously. And do you know what he said about Jonah? He actually talked about Jonah. Do you, do you know that? Do you know what he said about Jonah? He said Jonah got swallowed by a fish. So I have no problem believing that this is real. It's true. I gotta tell you, if it is real, this has gotta be one of the freakiest stories in the Bible, right? Like I have told you before, this is one of my worst stories nightmares being out in the middle of the ocean does anybody else feel this like i'm i'm okay swimming but but you put me out in the middle of a, of the ocean and there's a world of creatures below me that i can't see but they can see me <laughs> just take me jesus i do not like no there's no way that i want to go through that like i don't want to drown but i certainly don't want to get eaten by something coming up from below that i can't see that's awful terrifying but 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 you need to know one other thing about the fish um, The fish is for his salvation, not punishment. Do you know that? God is not uh, sitting up in heaven concocting some horrific form of vindictive retribution like, how how do I get back at Jonah? He disobeyed me, I gotta get back. I know, (laughs) I'm gonna send a fish. That's not what God is doing here. What God is doing is he's rescuing Jonah from drowning. It's for salvation. Why does he need to be saved? Well, Jonah's in a mess and it's all his fault. Jonah chose to sin, right? We've been learning that if you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. Have you ever found yourself in a mess of your own making? This was me pretty much every finals week in college. Right? Thankfully not in my graduate work, but in my undergrad, for sure, every week at, you know, finals week, at some point, I would look at my syllabus for like the first time in a few months and I'd realize like what in the world I got a paper due tomorrow you got to be kidding me and and, and now I'm like miserable because I'm realizing like I have to do like three works three weeks of research in in about three hours and I don't have time to eat I don't have time to sleep I'm gonna have to stay awake all night in order to do this and I'm, I'm poor I don't have money to go to Starbucks how in the world am I gonna stay awake and I literally had guys in my dorm that were offering me these eye drops that would make it physically impossible for you to close your eyes so that you could stay awake all night and suddenly that sounds reasonable I'm miserable in this moment because, uh, like, how am I going to, how is this even fair, by the way? How, how do I have four tests and two papers and they're all due in the same week? How is that fair? And inevitably, there was one guy in the dorm who would always come up to you and be like, well, you know you know, what he's going to say, right? You've had all semester to work on it, haven't you? Yeah, thanks, not helping. Uh, but he's not wrong either, right? It's my fault. It's my fault. Are you in a mess this morning? And maybe it's not all your fault, but you know that you've made a lot of this mess. Maybe it's your finances. I don't know. Not where it needs to be. Maybe it's in your marriage, in your home, the way that you're communicating with one another. And as much as you would love to just believe that, well, they're 90% in the wrong, I, I know that this is partly my fault as well. Maybe your reputation at work, I don't know what it is, but whatever mess that you find yourself in this morning, even if it is a mess of your own making, I just want to encourage you with this. Here, here's a, a big idea this morning, and let this encourage you. God saves us out of our mess. That's what we're learning here in this text this morning. God saves us out of our mess. So if you find yourself in a mess of your own making, what what, what do we do? What do I do? Well, I think we see four responses. Here are four responses. I want to give you one. Here's, Here's one. Note this. Acknowledge God's discipline. Acknowledge God's discipline. You just have to know and see God's sovereignty here in the story, we've told you that, that that word sovereignty is a big word that just means that God is absolutely in control, right? Now, not for one minute has He lost control in all of this. And what we see there in verse 17, chapter one, verse 17, it says, the Lord appointed, meaning God did this. That's his sovereignty. You just got to know you can run, but you cannot hide. And God sends a fish of all things to come in and to get Jonah's attention. And now he's going to spend three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. You talk about the ultimate timeout. God's putting him in this time out here where where he has him just where he wants him. Now he's got his attention all alone in the dark, nowhere to run and all sorts of time to think about what he's done. And and have you been there before where God is just, he's pressing in. I'm going to get your attention. And it's then, then verse one says, then Jonah prayed and it's about time. This is actually the first time that we've have one of Jonah's prayers recorded, which is kind of ironic. Remember in, in chapter one, the sailor, the captain of the ship, got Jonah's down in the belly of the ship and he's sleeping, right? And, and the sailor captain comes down and he's like, what are you doing, man? Wake up, call out to your God. So he's being exhorted to pray. And then later in chapter one, uh, after the Lord demonstrates his power and his sovereignty, you see these sailors, these unbelievers, now turned believers that are, man, we believe in this God and they are praying, Jonah's not. Finally, He's praying here in chapter two. And we're not exactly sure um, how long it took, like when this happened. I don't know if it's like day one, day two, uh, in the middle of the night, we don't know. But we do know that it was after Jonah had spent some one-on-one alone time with the Lord. And so Jonah starts to pray. And it's kind of cool, we get this, this prayer um, and you can tell just by looking at it in your Bible, it looks different than the rest of the book. It's kind of written like a psalm. This this is kind of a prayer, a song that that, that David is, or excuse me, (laughs) David, that Jonah is praying to the Lord, and it's actually a psalm, a prayer of thanksgiving. Jonah's not pouting. Jonah's not angry. He's praising God, because he started to realize God's sovereignty in all of this. I mean, notice, look at verse 3. Look look at what he says in verse 3. He says, for you, do you see it? For you cast me into the deep. Who did it? God did it. And that's not Jonah accusing God. That's just God. That's Jonah recognizing and acknowledging God's discipline here. I mean, technically, remember back in chapter one, technically it was the sailors that physically picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. But Jonah is just noticing and recognizing God's sovereignty and God's discipline in his life. And loved one, you just gotta know, God may let you go down a road of discipline for a while, but if you belong to him, you better believe he's coming for you. And he will come in. In discipline. Why? Why? Because love. Because he loves us. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he is sovereign even over the difficult circumstances in your life. And that's not always why we're going through difficult circumstances, but oftentimes the Lord is going to do that. And he is over it in control, and God is not just out to get you. Do you know that? but he will get your attention. And Jonah's starting to get it. This isn't fun, do you know that? The the fish is not fun. Jonah's not some adrenaline junkie like, God, that's a sweet epic ride, man, I love the thrill ride. Like That's not how he's feeling about this. Fish is not fun. The storm, not fun. He does not want to go through these things and yet Jonah's starting to see this is good this is good because God is pursuing me. I I sense that he's disciplining. I know you're doing this. I know this was you. You were chasing after me. And I know that you love me. I thought I could run. I I thought I could do my own thing. I could get away from you, but I can't escape you. You chased me. You didn't let me get away. You pursued me. What an awesome thing that he would do that. And when we are disciplined, when we are disobeying as the Lord's children he will often use the trying circumstances in life to wake us up where we just can't run anymore and it's kind of crazy how far God will go to get a hold of Jonah and I know we like to avoid the storms we like to avoid the pain right I mean who wants to go through that None of us want to experience these things, and yet it's only when we're convinced of God's absolute love for us that we can appreciate what he's really trying to do, and we can acknowledge his discipline. And see, so often we're always just praying, like, God, just change my circumstances, change my circumstances. Guess what? God may be trying to change you. God is more concerned about our character than our circumstances, And sometimes he's going to use those circumstances, the storms that you are feeling like you're in right now, something crazy, in order to transform our character into the likeness of Christ. What a good God that he would do that. I just got to tell you, if you're in a storm right now, stop trying to run from it and learn in it. We just acknowledge God's pursuing me. He's trying to teach me. And which leads us to our second response that we see uh, from Jonah. You need to learn this. Call out to him in distress. Call out to him in distress. You see it there in verse two. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. What what, what, what are you stressing over today? uh, Are you you in a mess? Is it evident? evident? Does, Does everybody know about it? Everybody can see you're in a mess. Does nobody know about it? We like to put up a facade. We don't do that here in Northern Virginia, right? We we we've got to have everything together and 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 I have I, you know my life's in order and, and I'm okay, I can handle it and, and 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 so I'm doing I'm I'm doing some image work here. I need you to think that I'm awesome, I'm okay, everything's fine, and yet yet like inside maybe it's maybe it's emotional. You're a wreck. Maybe it's spiritual. You feel that turmoil in you. Maybe it's in your home, man. You would hate for anybody to, to see and to hear the things that are happening at home. Maybe nobody sees, but, but you know that there's just some chaos in your life and you are in distress. You're like, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna go overboard with it, but I just feel a little bit overwhelmed with life. What do I do? What do I do? Well, the answer is pray. Call out to the Lord. When? Now. Call out to the Lord now in the midst of this. He says, out of the belly, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. That that word Sheol meant the the underworld. It was kind of a a poetic description of death and desperation. Jonah's just trying to get you to understand, man, I was in a bad place. But in the midst of all of that, I cried out to the Lord. And I just want to say, God, Jonah, Jonah, why did it take you so long to pray? Why does it take us so long to finally get on our knees and cry out to God when we're in the middle of something crazy, when we're in distress? Why does it take us so long to pray? Are you praying about it? Are you asking the Lord to help you in the midst of this? Do you know what's going to happen when you do? Do you know what happens when you call out to the Lord? Do you know what happens when you pray? Look at it. Look at it again. Uh, verse 2 I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. God will hear you. God will listen to you. I promise you he will. This is, this is so awesome. Even when the mess is of your own making, God still listens. Think about, think about Jonah. All this distress is his own fault, right? Remember, he's, he's the one that's disobeying. He would rather die than do what God says. And then he has the audacity to cry out for God to help. Like, I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that's like, oh, sure, Jonah. Like, sure. You don't want to talk to God. You don't want to have anything to do with him. You're trying to run away from him. But then when you're about to die, then you call out, like, sure, then you're going to pray. Maybe that's why you're not praying. Because you feel like, why would God listen to me now? Like, I, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, I did this. This is, this is my fault. I've been running and I, I can't just demand God to listen to me. I don't deserve that. I, 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 I have no right to ask God to help me in this. I made this mess. It's my fault. I just want to tell you this. That this is the message of the gospel. Would you hear this this morning? God responds to repentant sinners. He always does. He always responds to repentant sinners and, and, and we will never deserve it. But he listens to us when we cry out to him in desperation. You just got to know that is grace. And it's grace that he would pursue you, that he would chase you even into a corner where you can't run anymore. And all you can do is drop to your knees and, and cry out to the Lord for mercy, knowing you don't deserve it. But he's your only hope. He's all you got. That's an awesome place to be, that we would be in a place of humility and, and dependence. And I know that's not the Nova way. We don't do that. I can handle this. I, I've got it. I'll, I'll be able to take care of it. It's okay. Going through a rough patch, I'll get. No, you can't. God is the only one who can save you out of that. And what an awesome thing that we would humble ourselves before Him and recognize our dependence on this great God. I know it's not comfortable, but that's a sweet place to be. And you got to know that if you are crying out to the Lord, no matter how low you go, no matter how many times you have messed up, He will listen he loves you what an awesome thing that he would do that you've been crying out to the lord it's been a few days it's been longer than that i don't know if you've ever felt this but sometimes when i when i, when I haven't really been you know praying or reading my bible i, I get this sense of like oh, i can't do that now you know i haven't been doing it very well listen listen that's just so much there, there's just so much pride there in thinking that we could somehow earn the ear of God? We don't. I don't deserve it. But he will listen to you when you respond in repentance so we can cry out to him in desperation. And then this third response. Long for his dwelling. Long for his dwelling. Look at verse 4 you just sense, he's trying to give you a sense of how desperate he is, right? Uh, Verse 4 says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Here's the ironic thing about this. In chapter 1, if you remember, Jonah, it says he was literally trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get away from God. He wasn't just running from an assignment. He wanted to run from the very presence of the Lord. He's saying, God, I don't want to be with you. I want to get as far away from you as possible. And that's what we're doing every time that we choose to sin. We're looking at the presence of God and saying, I don't want that. I want my own thing. And we're running from the presence of the Lord. And and the crazy thing is in verse four now, Jonah actually gets the very thing that he wanted and then realized it was a terrible mistake. You ever discovered that? That's the bitter reward of sin, that when you finally get the thing you think you want, you find that it's the worst thing that you could ever have, separation from God. It made me think about um, something that happened a few years ago when my oldest daughter, Jolie, uh, when she was like two or three, I think at the time, and Judah was just a baby, and and Carissa decided that she was going to take them to the mall, and so they were going shopping, and, and, and Jolie was at the point now where she's not just walking. She's running like crazy all over the place, and, and she's trying to uh, exercise her little independence and prove that she can handle it, and, and she got super excited because uh, they were going to be going down the elevator. There's all sorts of crazy people around. You know, you're in the middle of the mall, and she, I don't know, two or three years old, but she, she can run now, and she can reach the button. So she was super fired up that she was going to get to push the button for the elevator. But here's the thing. We're, we're not the kind of parents that just let our kids, like, go all over the place, like, you, you know, we'll just catch up to you, like, no, we, like, you gotta stay pretty close to us, especially in the mall in fact, I don't think I'm ever gonna let my girls go loose in the mall, ever, because now I'm afraid for my wallet, but we just don't do that, okay so you have to understand, we're keeping them really close she knows that she's supposed to stay with mommy but she got so excited and so independent that she bolted, and, and she ran ahead, and, and got up to the elevator, she was able to reach up and push the button, and literally, Carissa's got Judah, the baby, in the, in the stroller she's like, chasing after her to get to them in the mall and, and by the time she got there, Jolie was already in and the doors closed. And, and like, it's okay. Um, like, she's still with us. So you know, this is like, <laughs> this is still like a happy ending here. But, but Carissa like pushed the button and thankfully nobody else had pushed any buttons and so it opened right back up and Jolie's eyes were like this big. She's bolting out there. She got separated from mom and it freaked her out. I think that's a little bit of what Jonah's feeling right here. And and even greater than elevator doors closing or even greater than seeing the mouth of a fish close. Jonah is feeling that separation from God and it freaks him out. You know, and the consequences of our sin are just absolutely devastating, but there could be nothing worse than not having God's favor and being driven away from his presence. Our sin separates us from God, and that is a mess of our own making. But, but look, look at what it says, verse 4. So, so then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet, love that word, so hopeful, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So that's just a, a kind of a metaphorical expression for prayer. Jonah now is desiring to be in the place where God dwells. So just so you understand the temple reference, uh, Solomon, King Solomon was the one who built the temple, right? In First Kings chapter 8, uh, Solomon finished construction on the temple, and then he was going to pray a prayer of dedication. But 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 Solomon knew, like, yeah, this is the place where God dwells, but you know, God doesn't fit in a building. He understood that. And so I want you to see this. First Kings chapter 8, he, he says, Behold, the heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? I know that you are so much bigger than this. I I, I realize that you, this isn't the only place where you dwell. There's something special, though, about this place, because this is the place of which you have said, My name shall be there. And he was praying that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. So so this is Jonah years later offering his prayer toward this place, looking toward the temple. He's looking to the place where God dwells. Do we long for the presence of God? I love that Jonah's heart is now there. He's realizing, I don't want to get away from you. I want to be with you. And if I lose you, I lose everything. You are what I want most. Is that the desire of your heart? Do you understand that the presence of God is the very thing that would satisfy, the only thing that would satisfy, that we would have a hunger and a passion to be with the Lord? Are you there? Can I just tell you this is the, this is the awesome part of the gospel that will comfort you this morning. If you trust in Jesus, if you trust in Jesus to save you, you will never be separated from the love of God. Never, never once will you be separated again from God. He says, uh, Romans chapter eight, you know these words, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God, that's what he does for us because of Jesus. But, but, sin entices us at times. And we see something that we want, and it lures us away from the presence of the Lord, and we chase after something else. And we start to want something more than the Lord. And you just have to know that God will pursue you in discipline when that happens. Because he's going to get you to the place where you realize it is ridiculous to choose disobedience over the dwelling place of God. And and, and if if you don't have a desire for the presence of God, if that's not a passion for you, then you may be in a mess or well on your way to one. Because anything that we would desire over the presence of God can become an idol in our heart. Do Do you desire him? Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you know that? You find satisfaction in him? See, see Jonah had started off running from God, but God brought him to the place where he finally says, there's nowhere I'd rather be than with you. And and, and what what, what could God do with a church that's just on fire to experience and to be in the presence of God? Do we long for that? Is that our desire? Is that our hope? That we would get excited every time I got so fired up this morning. I get to go and worship the Lord with his people this morning. It's never just another Sunday. We're coming expecting, so fired up because we're going to be in the presence of God together. And that's where we want to be. Is his presence your greatest desire? Are you satisfied with Christ? Just praying that he's going to build a fire in our hearts. Stoke that flame that we would want to be with him. Well, when you're in a mess of your own making, God's able to save you out of that. And when He does, here's the last response praise Him for His deliverance. He says, verse 6, He's, he's, he's still going down. Like, I'm going down, I'm going down. This, this is awful. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, love that. That's the gospel. Yet, You brought me up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. That's his, I was, but God's story. God can save you out of your mess. Is that your story? Only God can do that. And only God would do that. See, look what he says, verse eight. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. Listen, listen. if your heart is drawn away from the presence of the Lord and you are running after anything else, and it can be a good thing. Do you know that? It could be an awesome thing that you would be going, I love my family. I love my job. I, I, I like to make money. There's nothing wrong with these things. But if these things take precedent and they become more important to me than the presence of God, they become an idol in my heart. I'm trusting in those to either satisfy or to save me. I just gotta tell you, you're gonna be majorly disappointed. Nothing can save us but our great God. And and so when God did that and he stepped in and he brought Jonah out of his mess, he says, verse nine, then with the voice of thanksgiving, uh, I'll sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. So now his actions are being transformed in repentance. And then uh, here's this, this could be like a banner over the entire book of Jonah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And he's drawn into worship. And, and thanksgiving and praise, you just have to know, like, this is, this is what we do when we gather together. We are the people who have been saved by Jesus. We are the people that have discovered that it doesn't matter how far down we go, how big of a mess we've made, God can save us out of that, and we can't help but sing. We don't sing out of, out of duty. We do it out of delight because he's delivered us. We give Jesus the praise and the glory for it. So are you in a mess this morning? God can get you out of that. Verse 10, Jonah, still in the belly of the fish. God sends the fish. He commands the fish. The fish obeys. Fascinating that everything else obeys a lot faster than Jonah in this book. And out comes Jonah. God can save you out of whatever mess that you find yourself in now because Jesus saves us from the greatest mess we could ever be in. Think about this. He, this is, these are, these are the words of Christ. I want you to see it. Matthew 12, Jesus said this, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, I, I know some of you are like doing the math. You're like, wait a minute, Jesus, when it, like he, he he died on a Friday, and he rose on a, on a Sunday, that's not three. Well, listen, listen. Uh, in, in Jewish culture, their, their count was inclusive, and so any part of the day meant day and night. That was just don't get hung up on that. What he's saying is, Jesus is saying that just like Jonah was down there, that's what I'm going to do for you. Jesus was crucified, and he was buried, but he didn't stay dead. Into the belly, out of the grave, he rose, and he defeated death, and that's why you and I can be saved from the death that would separate us from God forever. So it doesn't matter how far you've run, how big of a mess you have made, God can save you out of that. Praise God that he does it. And that's why we lift high the name of Jesus. So I think it's appropriate for us. We're gonna move. I'm gonna have the worship team come up. We're gonna gonna actually take a moment to lift high the name of Jesus and remember him by taking communion. He actually, before he went to the cross, he went up into the upper room with his disciples and it says that he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this, eat eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. You see, what Jesus was doing, he was giving the church a, a very tangible reminder of how far he would go to save us. So in just a moment, we're, we're going to start singing, but I want to invite you to come. And um, we, we've got the bread, you can dip the bread in the juice and you can take it there, you can take it back to your seat. Uh, but this is, I just got to tell you, this is for people that love the Lord that have trusted in Jesus for salvation. This is, it doesn't save us that we do this. We're not crucifying Jesus again. It's already done. We're just remembering what he's accomplished for us. And so if you've never trusted in Jesus to save you from your sins, then, then I'd encourage you just, just, just sing. don't, don't, don't come down and take, it's not wise or safe to say that you believe something that you really don't. But if this is your story, if God has saved you out of your mess, and this is an opportunity for you to come and remember what he's done and give him praise for it. Father, would you, would you be glorified as we bear testimony to how you can save us out of our deepest mess, even when it's all my fault, even in a mess of our own making, that you would demonstrate your love By going to the cross for us. Dying in my place. And what a hope that we have that we will live with you forever. We can be with you. We long for your presence. Convince us again that there's nothing, no one greater than our God. Praise you in Jesus' name.